Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Negroni from the Internet of California, and curiously typing away at a screenplay he put together in five days after a fever dream likely inspired by his new marriage to a woman half his age, it's Will Ashton. It sounds very specific, but <laughs> I can go with it. <laughs> well, we were having a conversation right before the show about how you still, you're, you're kind of an old-fashioned, like you sit down with your, not your typewriter, but you know, yeah. your, your laptop or what have you, and typing away at stuff and articles and Yeah, I'm 56 real years old. Yeah, but you're not really married to someone half your age because that would be illegal. Nope, I'm single, ladies. <laughs> uh, this week we're talking about Mother, the newest film from Darren Aronofsky. We're going to talk about our favorite Darren Aronofsky films to start things off. Then we're going to review Mother for our feature today. And then in our mini reviews, we're going to talk about Stronger, Brad Status, and uh, Destiny 2, a video game. So a couple of movies, a video game. It's going to be a, a different episode. And uh, special special thanks to all of you who are putting up with the absence of Maverick Hines, who is in Mexico. We actually just came out with a last call. Like right before we started recording this episode, we released our last call for this conversation we had about MoviePass. And so if you haven't checked that out yet, uh, it just went out and we put it together because, well, it was just me and Will talking about this service that lets you do movies for like $10 a month unlimited. And we were talking about whether or not it's too good to be true. Is it a scam? Should you guys check it out? Uh, it was a really fun conversation. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, and you sound like you're not so sure. Like, do you not like where we landed on it? <laughs> it was just the other day we talked. No, I liked it. I, I, I am in agreement with you that I just always find it a little sad when Maverick is not around. Oh, man, I know. I miss him, too. I, I can't wait till he doesn't listen to this episode and doesn't get to hear you say that. Yeah. Doesn't he say he doesn't listen to the episodes? No, he never does. Oh, man. So we can say whatever we want, and he won't know. <laughs> it's true. That's why I mean that's what I'm planning to do for this entire thing. We we, oh, we gave him a break with the movie pass last call. But anyway, you guys can check that out, of course, uh wherever your podcast uh, habits reside. Let's let's jump into things, Will. Let's talk about Darren Aronofsky. Um sure. I, someone who you've called your favorite one of your favorite directors. That's correct. Yeah, probably in my top ten, if not top fifteen. That's amazing. Um what, what What is it about Darren Aronofsky that you really like? Because I know what I like. I mean, I like a lot of things about him. I like that he makes like super intimate kind of like uh, movies that like you can't really quite shake off, but you can never really like love in the moment. You're always like kind of like scratching your skin and like moving around and stuff. He knows how to make you really uncomfortable. And I mm-hmm. like when movies make me like really uncomfortable because I, I don't know. I, I, I like a movie to stick with me. I, I like a movie to kind of like leave an imprint when I get out of the theater. Otherwise, I feel like I'm not really doing the best I can with my time. But uh, Aaron Aronofsky, I mean, not only is he, you know, fantastic with, you know, working with a lot of actors I respect, and some I don't usually have a high opinion of before I see his films, but he just knows what he's doing, and he is awesome at it. Yeah. Uh, for those of you cinemaholics who aren't quite as familiar with Aronofsky's work, you probably are anyway. Um, you've probably seen at least one of his movies. Uh, probably his his biggest movie is probably they, they include uh, Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah was his most recent. Um, he also did The Wrestler, uh, an indie darling or an Oscar darling, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also known very well known for Requiem for a Dream, uh, especially that soundtrack. Yeah. So. 
And yeah, and that's actually how I was introduced to Requiem for a Dream is I loved the uh, the main song in that and I explored you know this is this is a high school John who yep. <laughs> stumbled upon Requiem for a Dream probably for the worst that that movie changed my life um, and maybe not in the best ways but yeah let's talk about our favorite Darren Aronofsky films uh, starting with you Blashin uh, which one and it's hard to rank them he is he is a director that I think you know toe for toe he has a fantastic ratio of good to bad movies yeah well I would say I don't think. There are any Aronofsky movies I dislike. I mean, we can argue till our, we're blue in the face of it. Any of them are bad, but I like them all. But my personal favorite is The Wrestler, which is weird because it doesn't really feel like if you watch all of his other films, it doesn't really feel like an Aronofsky film. But that was the one I actually saw the fir- for the first time or the first Aronofsky movie I ever saw. Huh. And uh, I remember I went to that one like completely cold, like not really knowing anything about it other than what it was called. And that had Mickey Rourke in it, and it was supposed to be pretty good. And that movie honestly blew me away like few films ever have. Like, that movie is easily among my favorite movies, and that's like one of the best theater experiences I think I've ever had. So, that's personally, I, for personal reasons and just for, you know, I, I think it's an extremely well made film. That's my personal favorite. As far as movies, his movies that are bad, I don't think Noah is bad. It's not a bad movie, it's well done. It's, but it's. It's like a low B, maybe high C for me, which isn't bad, but you hmm. know, I think it's his most average film probably. It's not his most like polarizing one. I think that's probably either The Fountain or Mother. Yeah, um, probably The Fountain to be honest. Yeah. Um yeah, so this is this is annoying because The Wrestler is probably my favorite Tarnovsky film. Okay, because I was curious if that's the case. But it's the too. same it's the same situation because I watched The Wrestler after I watched Wrecking for a Dream because I had just started working in a movie theater and that was uh, what the I think it was like the second Oscar season that I was a part of. It was either the first or the second Oscar season. I really paid attention to what was coming out was the and The Wrestler uh, really captured my attention. I, I love that movie, um, but it is close because I also really love Black Swan. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that is close to a perfect film. Uh, it was an A for me. I, I just adore. Um, it it has the body horror that I think I really liked about his other movies. Yeah. It's it, it just does so many interesting things with like the idea of having to be perfect and like what it's like to be an artist. And it's funny because a lot of what you see in Black Swan and these movies in general uh, are also in Mother. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, like one of the issues I was having while I was watching Mother was I was like. I, I don't know. I feel like he did a better job with this in his other movies, but uh, that might be up for debate, and it, it is. But yeah, The Wrestler, that's that's an easy pick. I, I think that Mickey Rourke, uh, did he win the Oscar for that one? Unfortunately, no. It was Sean Penn for Milk. Oh, man. That, that's but a tough He matchup. was favored to win. I remember, like a, yeah. Like a last-minute upset. Um, well, that that was a good film, and uh, yeah, I, I think that... Yeah. I think that uh, I think that his other movies. I mean, what, what did you think of uh, Pie? I like his Pie. First one. I saw it in high school, and I think I need to see it again because I remember liking it, but I, I don't think it really quite connected to me the way his other movies did. I just I appreciated the aesthetic and how it looked and how it was kind of you know icky and stuff. I could see where he would go on to make greater films, but for me, it was like a a competent first step. But for it me, is, that's yeah. like a, it to me. It's that's like his kind of B level for me. It's Pie. It is a B level movie. It's probably his most like overt religious movie which is interesting uh, it's the way he started things off more than noah well yeah good point um aside from noah which is actually about um i just remember pi just being like wow like 
this guy is like Scorsese levels of <laughs> um, using using right. stuff from the Bible. Uh, did you like uh, Requiem for a Dream at all? Or because yeah, I'm a, favorite. Yeah, I, I'm. I get torn on this one because it kind of messed me up. But uh, man, Clinton Mansell's music in it, and mm-hmm. uh, just that third act. Man, I mean, man, if you're a movie that gets a great performance, uh, Marlon Wayans, you did something right. And Jared Leto, too. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Some people still like him, I guess. Yeah. Connolly. Um, okay. So that's that's all of his previous movies. Let's, let's get into Mother, the latest Aaron Aronofsky film. And this is one that was in uh, one of our anticipated fall movies. Uh, I think uh, this was the one that Maverick Hines, ironically enough, Maverick... Maverick was most excited about this, and uh, we talked about it in our Would You Even Watch This segment, where I described yeah. the trailer to him. And I, I actually, I, you know, I told Maverick after I saw the movie and I thought about it a while, I was like, man, I don't think you're going to like Mother. <laughs> that was, that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, not only did I want to hear his opinion, because he's been the one that's kind of championing this film, I was also just wondering if you'd even dig it, because mm-hmm. like it, it just seems like something I could easily see him loving or hating. Just like with most people, like some yeah. people I know are going to hate this movie, and that's fine. And I know some people are definitely going to appreciate it. But Maverick is like a big question mark for me as far as Mother is concerned. Yeah. The first thing you need to know about Mother is that, uh, first of all, I didn't say this, but it was also written by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. And uh, the big reason, I mean, this is a very artful movie. It's very auteur. And the reason it's getting a mainstream wide release is because it stars Jennifer Lawrence, who is actually married to Darren Aronofsky. Hence, well, our opening no, they're dating. I don't episode. think they're married. Sorry, sorry, you're right. And uh, it also stars. I had her confused because she's married to Javier Bardem's character. Yeah. So yes, Javier Bardem also stars in the movie along with Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer, and somebody that I won't spoil. And it's kind of a funny, uh, some, an actress who shows up, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, oh, and the the Gleason brothers are in this. Yeah. Not to be confused with the twins, uh, the Weasley twins. Mm-mm. But uh, yeah, so Mother, the, the, uh, the synopsis is on IMDb is very simple. A couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Um, put more simply, I mean, Javier Bardem plays this this poet who has like severe writer's block. Jennifer Lawrence is kind of trying to rebuild their house. But I mean, from the opening moment that I won't spoil for you right now like i won't tell you hey this happens in the very beginning you're kind of privy to there's something weird going on with this movie it's Mm -hmm. a bit more surreal than uh, even the trailers might lead you to suggest now yeah knowing all of that and we're going to be as spoiler free as possible we are going to dive into spoilers after our final thoughts and grades we will give you ample warning yeah (laughs) absolutely um but spoiler free will ashton take us through your thoughts on mother yeah, I mean, like we said before, this is one I was very much looking forward to just because not only is Aronofsky a director I admire immensely, but he is making the kind of movie I just... I, I When I like to see a horror movie, I kind of like to see one or two things. I like something that's either like sort of tongue-in-cheek, like something like Evil Dead that's kind of playing with the genre a little bit, or I like something if it's just really straightforward, like it gets under my skin and it's very atmospheric and I just walk away like wanting to sh- like get... get invested in it more and shiver it off at the same time and mother did that for me immensely i mean i think this is a movie that in in some ways it wasn't what i expected at all and it was also exactly what i expected it to be i don't Mm. know if that was the same for you but it's a movie that is very metaphoric in the sense that every single thing is like a metaphor for something else which is part of the course for aronofsky but i think this is interesting because i think 
there are a lot of different interpretations to be made from this film, even though a lot of people are suggesting that there's only one to be had or they could only be so-and-so thing. Totally disagree. Uh, yeah, that's why I mean. I, I hate when people do that. Yeah. This movie is way open for interpretation. Don't let anyone bl- tell you otherwise. Um, I, I think it's interesting because even though this movie can be about a lot of things, it feels very much like his most personal film, uh, even more so than The Fountain. Because I feel like he's dealing with a lot of stuff, especially with Javier Bardem's character and Jennifer Lawrence's character, that feel very more like behind the scenes than we ever really experienced from Aronofsky. Because like you said, he's done a lot of body horror stuff. He's done a lot of stuff that's kind of dealt with like, you know, being uncomfortable in your skin or having to like fit, like like working against uh, like certain social norms and stuff in a way that you're like kind of like fighting your own ambitions and stuff like that. Uh, But he is doing more here that I think that's why I'm a little hesitant to like, just say, Oh, this is just stretching the same territory as black Swan, because I feel like he's saying more here than it's coming out on the surface. I think there's a lot that he's discussing here about himself, about his creative process, about how that affects others, and especially how it affects his family dynamic that I find very interesting, especially as a longtime fan of his work. And to me, I find not only is it very intellectually stimulating, I just, I, I, this is one of the first movies in a long time that I just completely let the outside world kind of sit idly while I just was completely absorbed in all the crazy madness that's going in there. Cause he, he's really brilliant at just like getting you like wrapped up in the insanity of his characters and kind of getting you in that headspace. And I think this one, especially in the second half, I think you might disagree with me on this one. I think the second half of the film is really where this explodes in very interesting and compelling ways. And I, I think I just kind of love it. Okay, what did you think of Jennifer Lawrence's performance and her in general? Uh, that's what I mean. Like, like for the first half of the movie, I was kind of like, "What? What are we really like doing here?" Like, she seems like submissive to a fault in a way that, like, I, like why would you cast like Jennifer Lawrence to play like such a plain character? But obviously, as the film goes along, she has not only more to do, but it's more apparent what he is trying to do with his character. And I mean, I thought it was a generally pretty great performance. I mean, I am kind of on the fence with her these days. Sometimes like I'm not super wild about her mystique in the last couple of X-Men movies. <laughs> last, um, the last example I thought you were going to choose for like, but that's uh, fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I think she's great. And silver lines playbook. I think she is very good. And I'm trying to think what some of the other movies she did recently. I, I, she's very good. in winter's bone, winter's bone. And, uh, the Hunger Games, honestly. Yeah, she's good in that. The first uh, two are, are pretty good. It's, it's They don't require much from her, but, you know, she obviously does her job. Yeah. I mean, I think I think I like her performances more than I don't. And I feel like she, I feel kind of bad that she's kind of getting a hard rap these days, but that's kind of part of the course for... I think since Joy. Si- What's it? I think since Joy, she's been getting yeah, that. Yeah, I keep forgetting know. about Joy as a film. And she I, wasn't even that bad in that film, I that's, thought. That's I mean, a film that I think fails in spite of her. Yeah, I think honestly. it... it I remember a lot of people loved her performance in American Hustle, and I thought she was kind of the weak link in that film because she was like a little too like. I liked her a lot in that movie, actually. That that was like the film. That was the one performance of her that felt like too much like a performance to me. Hmm. Like everyone in that film is crazy, and she was just trying to do like too much with it. I thought, but I'm a, I'm yeah. in the minority on that one. I've only seen uh, it once, so maybe I you know. I've seen it twice. I, I, I was I think dazzled by get, Amy Adams. I mean, yeah. I mean, I thought. Uh, everyone in that movie, like besides maybe her and Mario Taylor, which I thought were really good. It just something about her performance just strikes me as a bit off. I guess but, the real question then is: Is Lawrence getting better? Because like we are, we are dealing with a very young actress, 
Uh, maybe, you know, maybe we're, we should cut her a little bit of slack. I mean, she's found a lot of success very early and very quickly. That could mean that we have like a Meryl Streep on our hands, you know, maybe in the next Mm -hmm. few decades, she's really going to come into her own. Um, or it could be that, no, that's not really the case. Yeah. I mean, I think this is what I liked about this film is that it kind of brought that live wire intensity that I liked about her like performance in Winter's Bone and Silver Lion's Playbook is that she's able to be very intense in a way that's kind of funny and like chilling and kind of disturbing. Yeah. And I thought that's where the film really excelled is like kind of pushing her to the limit in that sense and just kind of getting that kind of live wire performance that had been really missing in the past couple films, like even Passengers, which was kind of like a, I guess she was okay in that. Yeah, she was fine. But it, like that film had a lot of problems away from her. But I, that I movie had it. plot and structural problems. Not the story was cool. They just totally botched. <laughs> like, weren't you the one that said like it's a good movie? It, it could have been a good movie if they just took one like simple. Well, like, I did. Script that wasn't my idea. That was uh, I think that was oh, who there. I think it was like the nerd writer or somebody. Somebody like pretty well known. Oh, nerd writer. Idea. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it might. He might have actually just done a video about it. But there was there was somebody who originated the, the idea that like they should have reversed the two acts in Passengers and it would have been a lot better. I I, I want to properly credit that. Yeah, I mean, it. just it just seemed like that movie had a lot going for it, and then it just it felt it, it it just messed up in one very very crucial way that kind of brought the whole ship down. Yeah, which is a shame because that that movie had a lot of good things going for it. It otherwise. did. I think it's going to go down as like one of those guilty pleasure movies. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be as hated as it probably deserves i mean she's done far worse movies you know serena do you watch that oh yeah that was terrible (laughs) i didn't finish it (laughs) so i can't even say you didn't miss much that movie was really bad yeah um you know what i'm gonna go a step further than you will and i'm gonna say that i think mother is her best performance okay right i was i was very impressed from it i think definitely in the second the second half but the first the first half, the amount of acting she's doing as like an introverted character with no agency, I thought was very understated. I, I think that like people are gonna maybe overlook how good of a job she does at filling the frame because I mean that camera is up on her a lot and she has no yeah. room for error. You know, like no mm-hmm. moment in her performance can be disingenuous. And you know, you have to give some credit to the direction. I think she and Aronofsky are a great team. Um, and you know, personal stuff aside. And -hmm. I think that he's really good at framing a scene around her movement, how she looks and reacts to things. It all just feels for a movie that's so metaphorical. It, it feels just real enough to get by. Um, I think that if we're comparing it to black Swan, which for me is the closest comparison in story, it's close to fountain and execution, but like the idea that Black Swan follows a female protagonist who is kind of meek, who kind of gets abused by a man, um, her uh, instructor in Black Swan. It, it is sort of that same thing. I mean, obviously, it's not a perfect parallel at all, uh, because I think that like the Javier Bardem character is the more like struggling artist character, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that like Aronofsky is getting better. At, I think he does a better version of what he was trying to do in Black Swan. As in, like, portraying somebody who, like, the idea of, like, art as a person, if that makes any sense. And, and you've, you've already made this comment that, like, it's about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I'm, I'm going to go through. I, did a, uh, I didn't do a formal review of this because, I mean, we talked about it before the show. I, I really was just feeling kind of like I needed to get my thoughts out. And Twitter felt like the best platform. So I, I did, like, a... You do you, Joe. 
I, I'm just, yeah, I, I didn't feel like being the old fashioned, you know, sit down and write out a whole review. I just kind of wanted to stream of consciousness. But so my review, I said, mother is a, it's a must watch for film nerds, Aronofsky nerds and nerds. Uh, it's a gamble for most everyone else. I think that people are going to have a hard time with this. Cause I, so I said, it's only a must watch because the conversations this movie will spark will probably be more interesting than the actual movie. I fully expect hmm. a lot of film lovers and Aronofsky fans to hate this movie while not necessarily regretting that they saw it because the experience of watching it is meaningful. Um, I'm a fan of movies that provide a meaningful experience, even if they are extremely heavy handed, which this movie is. And uh, I cited uh, neon demon as a pretty good example from uh, just a year ago. Uh, it's just that like most people will watch mother hoping to latch onto something and they're going to mm-hmm. be disappointed. But there are like a select few, I call them an ardent few, who will succeed at finding meaning in Mother. They're going to latch on to whatever was going on in Aronofsky's head when he had the fever dream that inspired this movie, um, which itself is the equivalent of convincing a group of people that your dream or nightmare makes sense and is worth retelling. And then I finish by saying, um, what complicates this is that Mother has some remarkable performances and is aggressively fine art that shouldn't be ignored. It's all story and metaphor, barely any plot by design, and at the same time, it's somehow fully realized. So that's my <laughs> that's my Twitter version of a review. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you do you agree with that, or did you hear a lot that was just like? Uh, there's some things I disagree with. I, I don't think. The conversation alone is what should make you go see the film. I think I think the film is really good on its own. I think it's really intriguing and maddeningly entertaining. That like I I, I don't really agree. But with I wouldn't say it's that. a must watch. Um, but I think the thing that makes that pushes it into that territory, for in my opinion, is because it's so fun and so refreshing to talk about it. I don't want to say that it's the only reason to go see it. Right. I, that's not what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you that I think. One thing I've noticed that I've kind of hinted at before, it's kind of bugging me, is I think too many people are going into this film, like, trying to put the pieces together as they're watching it. And I think that's really just doing you a disservice, more you, if you're the viewer, if you're doing that a disservice to... You can't help it. Yeah, but I mean, I think there's too many people that are like, oh, it obviously is this, and I figured it out in 30-minute mark, and then I'm bored halfway through or whatever. And I think that's hurting people's viewing. Because, I mean, I tried to kind of do that first. I was like, kind of like watching, I was like, oh, this could be like this, and then something happens. Like, oh, I guess it could also be like this. And then, like, by, like, the, like, 15 or 20-minute mark, I just like, you know what, that's really, like, why am I doing this to myself? I should just kind of watch <laughs> the movie on its own and just enjoy it. Because, like, when you're, when you have, like, a dream, because this movie is intentionally, like, a nightmare, you don't like in the dream you're not like oh what does this mean like you just have a dream then you wake up and you're like oh i guess that can mean that like you, you dissect a dream after it happens so i think the film yeah. is better if you just let the whole thing happen you kind of get what aronofsky is like do, going for and then you kind of put the pieces together that's what i'm just trying to say right now and I, i'm kind of piggybacking off of what you said before no i i, I think what you're saying is that i mean part part of the reason i think what, what i think makes this movie a little genius is that it does manage to be about so many things all at once without doing a disservice to any one thing in particular. Now, right. we haven't talked about flaws necessarily, and I do have my flaws. I, I do okay. think I, I, I do have a problem with movies that, you know, it, it is a little bit too heavy handed. I mean, I do enjoy the second half, but honestly, like, it, it's a lot, and it, 
it's not tense in my opinion for the right reasons. And a lot of it was me just kind of waiting it for it to get to the point. Hmm. Um, so I, I do give it some fault there. And I, I also think that like, I think the movie could have done a little bit better to, I think it makes a critical error in how much it reveals in the first few minutes uh, that I think would have been a much better impact if it had been more fully revealed in the end. We can talk more about that in spoilers, but maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I just feel like it gives away almost too much so that like the one message that it's beating across the head just kind of feels like you just see where it's going with it far too early in advance, in my opinion. Uh, I didn't really mind that. I think personally, I would have just cut off like the last two minutes and just end it like at a certain point that we can talk about in spoilers. I think that would have been more effective as opposed to like, but what do we know? We're not executives. Because the end of the movie just kind of like, just, I mean, it doesn't really hurt the film as much. Like, I mean, it, I guess it hurts a little bit, but it doesn't kill the movie. I think this, the last two minutes just kind of explain what we already know about the film. And if it just cut off at a certain point, it would have been more effective, in my opinion. See, I'm of the but, mind you cut off the first like 30 seconds of the movie and then you leave it for the end. But we'll talk about it. The. Uh, what's that uh like the last or well no it's, what's that movie called seven pounds argument where like seven pounds they show like the end of the movie for no reason at the beginning for and whatever like, reason i mean it works for lolita that doesn't mean it works for every other movie that's all i'm gonna say yeah i mean it that's like a kind of framing device thing that like like first time screenwriters do that bugs me but in this movie it didn't really bug me too much that they show that in the beginning because it already, like you said, beginning of this episode it kind of like sets off that like surreal tone that the movie's going for just off the bat, like it, it prepares you for something that's not going to be traditional. So I don't know. I, I, I can see what you mean, but I don't really mind it. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, what did you what did you think of the the music? Because uh, this was this is the first time Aronofsky did a movie without Clint Mansell. Yeah, I was gonna say the score felt a little different. And I was wondering if that was the case. Hmm. Uh, I like the score a good bit. I mean, it's just not the same without Clint. I think it just they're just so together. At this point, that it just it just doesn't feel quite the same, but it, it was a good score. I did like it. Um, yeah, I, I I thought that the music in the trailer was a bit better, but uh, yeah, yeah, it didn't like, really I grab that me. Was a little more, yeah, I thought that was a little more impressionable in, in the trailer than it was in the film. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's get into our final thoughts, and then we will jump into spoilers. Uh, will Ashen, final thoughts, and what was your grade for Mother? Final thoughts. I mean. Like, I think I told you this off the air. I mean, I just saw this movie a couple hours ago, so it's still seeping in. So Final Thoughts is more just continued thoughts for me <laughs> okay. at this point. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I really did enjoy this film. I mean, I think it's understandable why people are not going to dig this movie. I mean, I had a couple walkouts in my screening, and I know there have been several people who are just like, oh, yeah. this is one Damn. of the worst movies of the year, yada, 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 it's too obvious or whatever. I I don't really agree with a lot of the criticisms I've heard so far. I think the movie really works for what it's trying to do. I don't mind that it's heavy-handed. I don't mind that it's going for obvious metaphors or anything like that. I think the movie is what it should be, and I think it's effective in that way. And it's just, I mean, I, I love Aronofsky for movies like this. I think he hit it out of the park again, so I'm going to give it a good solid A-. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm not super far away from you. You know, I do have my problems with the movie. I think that uh, I, I kind of said it before, but I think some of Aronofsky's other films have, in my opinion, done the same sort of thing a little bit better, a little bit more effectively. I, I think you can make the argument that 
he is he is saying a lot of different things. It's hard to it's hard to grasp onto just one. On the one hand, you can say, well, this movie is about all of these things at once, and that's fine, I guess. But I, I sort of wish the movie was just a little bit more accessible to other people. I and you know, I, I totally understand why a lot of people really love this movie. But if we're if we're grading it on the sort of scale, I usually grade on the sort of scale as like, you know, how how will people react to this movie? How will people watch this movie? Rather than my own sense of taste, um, because I don't know, I just think that that's just a more for me a more interesting way to go about it. And you know, I I, I give this one a B plus, I, I and that's really high for what I really think about this movie in relation to what I think people will think of this movie. <laughs> but only because I do think it is one it, it's going to last. Uh, it's a movie we're going to be talking about for a while. Um, long after audiences have walked out and declared it ridiculous. Um, I think that they're, I think that they're going to people, I think cinephiles are going to change their mind. And, and as I alluded earlier, I think it is a movie for people who do like Aronofsky's films. It takes, it takes time to process. And I think it's too early for us to really decide right. what we think about it. Um, because I'm still thinking of like, uh, different aspects of the movie that might be uh, a, t- a wildly different interpretation than uh, I, I I had in mind before. So that's my take. Uh, and, uh, you know, Matt Donato had a, a tough time writing yeah, he, the review for this film. I think I told you, he was, this is like his like Barton Fink review where he was just kind of sitting in his room, like arguing with himself, like what he really <laughs> thought of the movie. So what did he end up deciding? It's it's a must read, by the way. I mean, Donato always does a great job with his reviews. Yeah, uh, this this is one of my favorite reviews he's ever written. It, it is fantastic because you really do get the feeling that like he is trying to figure it out as he's writing. Sure. Um, and he gives he gives the movie uh, a lower rating than you or me. He gives it three out of five stars, a fair rating. And he says, "I still don't fully understand how I feel about Aronofsky's latest, but." Hell, if you're into this kind of crazy mother might just be for you. Um, worth, worth a read. Worth a read. I'll check it out. Yeah, I always like his stuff, so I'll check this one out especially. All right. Well, that'll do it then for our spoiler-free section of this review. We are going to start divulging all of the spoilers for Mother. If you want to skip this section, uh, just go forward a few minutes um, or check the timestamps and go straight to our mini-reviews and uh, so you can avoid this, this section entirely. So spoilers for Mother start right now. So what I was saying, Will, yeah, was that so the end of the movie, it's you you figure out or you don't really figure out. It's revealed that it's a cycle, right? Yeah. Which the beginning of the movie kind of sort of alludes to that. It's right. you know like they they very early on are, they show you a woman dying and then another woman being reborn and then the you know this movie is created, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I honestly think that if the movie had started with Jennifer Lawrence waking up and had ended with this new person waking up, I think that would have been a much better ending. I think that like, I don't, I don't think I would have as, as quickly gotten to the, you know, I, I, I think that it would have been a better reveal than a front loading at the beginning, but I don't think you agree with that. No, I just think it, I, I don't disagree with you. I just think it should have been one or the other. I think the either should have kept the beginning and chopped off the last couple minutes or they should have chopped off the beginning and kept the last couple minutes. I think keeping both is a little weird. Well, what do you think? Hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, here's my question I had though. Is yeah. the actress at the end, is that Jennifer Lawrence with prosthetics or is that a different actress? I don't know for sure. Um, I don't remember seeing her in the cast list. That's what I mean. Uh, I, I don't think sure. that's, I don't think that's Lawrence. 
it looked like her, but they like kind of like they like put a fake nose and like maybe something like else on her. So that's why I wasn't sure. Like it, it it's clear that they picked her because she looked a little bit like Jennifer Lawrence, but not quite. Yeah. So if it if that's that's assuming that it is a different actress, but I wasn't honestly sure. Well, tell me this, Will Ashton. Well, okay. So first of all, this movie was originally titled Day Six, which okay. makes plenty of sense because right. the movie. Reasons. Yeah. So like. <laughs> We didn't really get to it, but the movie, it has a lot of biblical allegories. I mean, straight up. I mean, apparently Noah, working on that movie, just sort of rekindled Aronofsky's uh, love of like storytelling through religious themes. Uh, I mean, we get a straight well, up Cain and Abel. I uh, mean, that's what The Fountain is, too. So it's not like it really disappeared between Pi and Noah. That's true. I mean, he went, you know, The Wrestler and Black Swan. He, you know, kind of moved away from it. And then, sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is really overt stuff. I mean, the whole idea of like, you know, Mother Earth and the Garden of Eden. And uh, I, I kind of got the feeling that like Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer were Adam and Eve. Is that you think that's fair? A fair? Yeah. Shape? I mean, we should stress from the beginning that according to Darren Aronofsky, this is about Mother Nature. I mean, that's his interpretation of the film. That doesn't mean that's what you have to take away from the but film. I, I but I think that's... he he you can tell, though, that like he conflates Mother Nature with like God, God and mother nature are right. sort of in a relationship and like, it's a subversion of Christianity because what he's saying, what, well, I would say, I think he's saying here is that God is very mean to the planet because of his love for humans, which is a totally right. different interpretation of the Bible. And in my opinion, a very interesting interpretation that's worth thinking about. It's all about perspective, you know what I mean? Like, the idea that, like, humans abuse Mother Earth. So, isn't it kind of weird that, like, if God loves humans and, like, he would sacrifice Mother Earth for humans, but then at the same time, he's also doing this entire thing about how uh, celebrity culture and artist culture, and it's so much. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like, there's more to, like, I could totally see if that's what he intended the film to be. That's what it is. But in my opinion, it's also his most personal film because I see it as the relationship between an artist and his like personal life and his professional life. Absolutely. And, especially, and I think not so much with Jennifer Lawrence, but I think it's very clear that this is pretty much his relationship with Rachel Weiss, who he started dating. And I think he married the and had a kid. Yeah. Yeah. After the fountain. I think they had a kid together too. I, I meant to look it up after, but I haven't got a chance. Which but I that think would make, that, it made perfect sense. I mean, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I think it's, and it's also kind of exploring how like he like, you know, like he's a like the Javier Bardem character is a struggling writer who, like, you could interpret like the beginning of the thing as being his last project, and now he's starting a new one, and the whole creative process of that, and it's destroying whatever he's trying to build like at home with all these different things, and now like he's praised as God because he has like all these big ideas that he tries to accomplish. So, like I said, I think there are more than one interpretation to be had here. I mean, obviously the Mother Nature one, I think, is the one that he's stressing for, but. But I think also I think, the reason there are multiple interpretations is because he, I think he's trying to say that these things have a lot of things in common. You know, the exactly, idea that yeah. like artists see themselves as the God of their movie. And, right. you know, I, I do think that, it, I don't think that um, it's fair to say that it's one or the other or that like, oh, well, it could mean this or it, he, maybe he really means this. I think he's trying to say all of it at once. Right. No, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I want the idea to be that it's one or the other. I, that's what I mean. I, I think... It's inclusive. I think it's all of the above. I think it's all these different things. I totally agree. Um, We didn't talk too much about like the horror stuff. Um, We we didn't even mention that like 
I, I, do you think this movie was marketed poorly? Because I'm a bit on the fence. I don't think that it really comes off as like a horror in the marketing. I think the marketing makes it come off as a bit of a thriller. And it, it really is, like for the first half. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't feel cheated, if that's what you're asking. I mean, I, I think, think some people have, is, you know, the argument. I mean, the the trailer kind of promises like big WTF, like yeah. outlandish horror film. And that's what sort get. of what it is. I mean... I mean, minus the horror. I, I don't think there's yeah, really it's much just horror more, at all. It, it's just less horror, more existential drama. One one way that I described... Because... Uh, so, Maverick, you know, he's not going to watch the movie now. So, he asked me to explain certain things. I gave he's him a little bit. He's not seeing it? He's not going to watch it. So, I told him... But he has movie pass, which we I just know. talked about last week. I you know. could see it. But he... <laughs> it's two hours long. And <laughs> I, I told him uh, he probably wouldn't like it. He should see it anyway. But, like, I told him about how, like the the house is alive basically is is a whole thing mm-hmm. and like um like it bleeds and that's i i was curious though will like do you think that that's supposed to be some sort of twist or i i didn't get an immediate meaning out of that and i wonder if you can fill in that gap about the house being alive mm-hmm. i mean i mean if you're talking about mother nature i guess that's basically earth right but lawrence is mother nature so so right, but Mother Nature Earth is an Earth, exactly. Like, I mean, in this interpretation, she can be, uh, you know, part... I don't know. I mean... I was I, hoping I might... there was more to it than that, though. Because, like, I, I get the whole thing, because Cain and Abel is supposed to be the first sin, and so, like, that's where the right. blood spot is. And I did... Honestly, I, I really enjoyed the whole, like, humanity sucks. And, like, you really... It, the, just the parts where, like, she's asking people to not do things, and she has yeah. to keep asking them, and then they just, like, taunt her. I was just like, oh, oh I thought my that gosh. was great. <laughs> what show this movie on earth day <laughs> right that's why I was, I was kind of surprised it wasn't released like close to april but maybe you know with the ward season and stuff but well well they pushed friday the 13th to do this movie crazy enough is this friday the thir- no well well the friday the ter- 13th movie was going to come out this month and oh. not anymore hmm. yeah we are enough yeah um I, I didn't have too much else to say. Uh, you know, there's a lot. I, I think people should make up their own minds about how things... Did, did the Kristen Wig thing work for you? I mean, truth be told, I knew about going in. I knew that she was going to be like making I think we a, talked a about it on the show. What's that? I think we did talk about it on the show anyway. Yeah, I, I just remember like... I think I was looking at her IMDb page because she just filmed a movie here in Pittsburgh. Hmm. And I was looking up what else she was doing. And I saw Mother was on there. And I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in that. Yeah. So that's the re- the reason why I knew she was in this, but I mean, it's not a big I don't... role or anything. But what's it? It's not a big role, obviously. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like if you if you're like me and you knew about going in, like it doesn't really like hurt the movie, but it's better if you didn't know about it. So I'm glad yeah. we're talking about it in spoilers as opposed to the actual review. Yeah, because I I do think like when she shows up, like even though I knew she was going to be in it, I still was like, whoa, hey, <laughs> right. <Hi." laughs> That's how um, I felt more about the Gleason brothers, though, because I didn't know they were going to be in it. I was just like, "Oh well, they're they're the Gleason brothers." <laughs> I think. Well, you see Donald in uh, Donald Gleason in the trailer. Did he? Maybe I just forgot that he was in the trailer. That happens to me all the time. I'm, I'm just like, wait, this person is in it, and then they were in the, you know, right. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? I mean, I. It sounds like you're still processing. Yeah, I, feel I like sort of am something. too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's something I was going to bring up, but I'm not. I'm not thinking of what it is now. So. I mean, I do, I do really enjoy like all of the different references to other movies that I caught. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a very, a very referential movie, especially with uh, Rosemary's Baby and Roman. Yeah, Paris that's what, oh yeah, thank you. That was what I was going to bring up was Rosemary's Baby. Uh, do you think this is kind of like the modern Rosemary's Baby? That's obviously what they're kind of going for. No, it, I don't really think it's similar to Rosemary's Baby in practice. I think that like 
it obviously has like nods to it, but it's, I don't know. It's kind of like saying it was like the modern nightmare on Elm street just because okay. like, I, uh, I don't know. I, I agree. I disagree. I think, I mean, it's, it's obviously not a remake. I know that was a rumor that was going around. Like when that first poster came out was that, Oh, this, this might be a, like a hidden remake of Rosemary's baby. And that's not what this is, but wasn't I do there think there are one or wasn't there a TV show? Rosemary's baby. Uh, there was an Exorcist show. Was there a Rosemary's Baby show? I think there was. Oh wait, a there was. Was it with the uh, Zoe Saldana? I think. I don't know for sure. It was. I think, a the, few I think that was. Years ago. I don't remember who the actress was. I think it was on Fox. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, think that's right. I I sort of get. I sort of I get the idea because the story on a surface seems kind of similar with like the kid and or like getting pregnant and the. Well, I mean, the whole baby scene is pretty similar to. Like, I mean, have you seen Rosemary's Baby? Yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> that was the scene where I was like, oh, yeah, oh, gross. <laughs> that that was that was really hard to watch. I, I think... Oh, the, the baby the killing scene, scene? The baby killing, and then right after when Lawrence gets beat up, that was some of the hardest stuff I think I've seen uh, in the hard, this the, year. The beating up stuff was hard. I was really, like... I, I was kind of hoping they would have the balls to kill the baby, and I'm glad they did, but that's just me being a masochist. I just, I just like when movies, like, I, I think that's my big thing. Is I, I like this movie because it goes the extra mile and it earns that exclamation point in its title. Like, if you're going to put an exclamation point in your title, like, you, you got to go the extra mile. Like, you can't just, like... They earn that double, exclamation point. You can't just have shaking doors and, like, blood in the toilet. It, you got to do, like, more than that. And I, this yeah. movie does it. And I think, not just with what you're saying, you're right, you're right. Like, the whole... It's graphic, but I think that what really succeeds in this movie just sort of fascinating me was a lot of, even though it went on a little bit too long, just like how the hat, just that escalation, you know, when the people just show up and like the overpopulation, you know, and like how it's just too many people and they're all trying to take things. And like uh, the part where, so she's like, don't take that. Why are you taking that? He's like, to prove that we were here. And I'm like, oh my, right. like the legacy of humans. And like, it's mm-hmm. just, it really hits you. And then they keep doing it and keep doing it. And like some of that stuff, like when the people were in cages and like when they kept repeating certain things, I was just like, can we get to it? Like, do we have to, what are we doing? Um, when Kristen Wiig starts shooting people, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, now we're going to kill you. Jen. I'm just like, what is happening? Yeah. That was the one, that, that whole thing that I think they could have cut, like the Kristen Wiig shooting thing. I was like, eh, okay, we're, this is a little overboard. Yeah. But, I mean, that, 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 didn't, that didn't kill the movie for me again. Like it, it was just, you did give it, it an A minus. I guess. Yeah. It just like, if you're going to be, that's my whole thing with the movies that I'm glad that it's as extreme as it is. And if, it's able to do that then fine like i mean i i just like the like you said this is an auteur film and this feels like aronofsky got like to do everything he wanted to do basically and if that's something he felt was necessary for the film then that's really going to aid someone's you know interpretation of the film so whatever yeah um i don't think it's going to be his most successful film um, oh, no. <laughs> I, I think, uh, but you know, it's interesting, you know, Noah, I think to date is his most successful film and it didn't was make it? that much money. I oh, thought yeah. uh, Black Swan was, I thought it's, well, it's, like his, it's his highest opening weekend. Sorry. Um, and it made a lot of money worldwide. I don't know if it, I think it, I think Noah did make more money than Black Swan worldwide. I'd have to fact check that, but well, I was thinking because Noah is his most expensive film. So even if it made the most money, it may not have been the most profitable. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think Black Swan is his most profitable film because that that's one that made the most while costing the least. 
Um, yeah, but I think executives usually just look at how much something will gross because they don't really care about the budget. Um, uh, but oh, you know, know what? Some short. So I mean, so. Well, okay. So to what you're saying, though, I mean, Black Swan had a. I'm looking at it right now. It had a production budget of 13 million dollars, and it made 329 million, which is still lower than Noah. I think Noah made. Uh, I'll double check, but I think he that made at least like 350. So it okay, was but that slightly. costs like 150, right? Right. But so, again, <laughs> yeah. So Black Swan made more profit. Yeah, yeah, more profit. But I mean, I think that uh, the studios don't really look at that. I think you can. All agree. right. I get what you're trying to say, but I, 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 I feel like if they have more money, like if you put the stacks of money, there's, <laughs> there's obviously more coming in from Black Swan. Is that what yeah. Paramount does? I think um, so. I, I like to, I like to imagine that's what they do, like with like a monopoly table. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually, no one made 362 worldwide, um, and it did well domestically for a March movie. It made 100 million, uh, 101. Yeah. So. Yeah, but what we're what we're saying is, uh, I, it doesn't look like Mother is going to reach those same heights. Um, it does have a really good Rotten Tomato score, I believe. I think it's in the. I think it's a seventy-one fresh. Is it seventy-one now? I think last that I it, checked, it was seventy-one. So, um, if that's the case, I mean that's that's good. Uh, yeah, seventy-one. You're right, and it's that's still certified. certified fresh though, which is pretty rare for a seventy-one percent film. Yeah, yeah, but that's probably because the average rating, um, or no, sorry, the average rating is six point seven, so that's not great. And the user, the audience score is very low, forty seven percent. So very oh, strange. Um, <laughs> it's it's a weird movie all around. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious, like you said, to hear what the conversation is like a year from now with this yeah. film. Same with like Detroit. Like I, I want to revisit these films like one year later and see what people are taking away from them, if anything. I'm really curious to see what Paramount is going to do next because, boy, they're they're having some problems. Um, I, I feel like yeah. th- this was, you know, I'm glad that they came out with a good movie like this, but uh, financially, it just doesn't seem like they're on a great path. But who yeah, knows? what else they got this year? They got I saw a trailer for Downsizing before this, which is another one that seems like I I'm glad they're making that film because it's like an original high concept film, but I don't know if that's going to make any money at all. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What well, else? What they got? Suburbicon. Well, Suburbicon is definitely one. Daddy's Home Two. Um, oh. You already mentioned downsizing. Uh, they didn't do super great with Transformers and Ghosts in the Shell and Baywatch, unfortunately. Um, well, but th- fortunate if you're Baywatch. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was hoping that was going to you know be successful, but it wasn't. Um, so I think I think Daddy's Home Two will probably make uh, decent money. Suburbicon won't, but it'll get them some prestige at least. Uh, I don't know, because it's getting pretty mixed reviews. Suburbicon? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's an indie movie. I, I don't think anybody was expecting it to make more than like $50 million domestically. Not, so I don't think it's an indie movie. I think it's like a mid-budget studio film. Okay. Well, I, I guess I, I just, because of the pedigree behind it, I just sort of view it as more of an underdog. You know, I know it's sure. Matt Damon. Uh, no, and, I'm, I'm rooting for it. Don't, don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm, I just don't know if it's going to be like a big hit for them. Right. I mean, you're right. It's definitely not an indie movie. I don't I guess like I'm still in that habit of calling smaller like movies that like like yeah, Paramount dis- Paramount like distributes it, but I just don't I think it's still creatively made independently. Like I don't feel like Paramount had a heavy hand in making Suburbicon. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that, but No, I mean, um, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's what the what it was with Mother too. Like they probably were like, "Here, we'll give you this amount of money." Because Protozoa was really the studio behind that. Right. So I think they probably were like, hey, we'll give you this amount of money. Like, just don't, like, 
don't burn any bridges or anything mm-hmm. and make sure it's it's in on time and under budget and Darinovsky was like all right here we go <laughs> <laughs> all right time to get into our mini reviews we just got a few for you guys will ashton start us off with a movie that i really want to see because as a lot of our cinema hawks listeners know i'm a big fan of jake gyllenhaal uh he's mm-hmm. one of my favorite actors and you saw a movie that opens next week starring Hall and one of my favorite actresses in Hollywood who I've been waiting to get a breakout role, Tatiana Maslany. Tell us about Stronger. Yeah, so Stronger is the second Boston bombing movie we're getting from Hollywood. The first one was last year's Patriot's Day. Marky Mark. Yeah, which is a film I still haven't seen. I heard kind of mixed things about it. I heard terrible uh, things about it. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of bad things from people in Boston, which is not a good thing. Right. Yeah, that's why I didn't watch Boston, it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I stayed away just because, you know, this felt like I don't want to, yeah. Yeah, I, I I didn't really intentionally skip out on it. I just, it just slipped under my radar, but I heard kind of mixed things, so I didn't really. Now, Will, Will don't break my heart. This mm-hmm. is this is a movie that I, it's one of my most anticipated of the year. It's my hometown. It's Jake Gyllenhaal and Tatiana Maslany, two of my favorite people. Give me some good news here. I'm desperate. All right. You want some good news? Because I got good news for you. Uh, this is a movie I was not super looking forward to because the trailer didn't wow me and it looked like it was going to be your average kind of Oscar baity movie, but it surprised the, uh, like, it surprised me. Uh, I was almost going to swear there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it did surprise me. It's a movie that, as opposed to Patriot's Day, uh, it, it's, it takes a very intimate and kind of uh, enclosed look at this very tragic town-wide situation if you don't know the film is about this kind of uh 20 i think 7 28 year old uh costco worker guy who's just kind of uh you know living at home he's not really hitting his stride and he has this girl he's had an on and off relationship with and she is a runner and he has had a history of like skipping out on a lot of events and he's like oh i'm gonna actually be at this one for you i promise uh, and she's like yeah, yeah yeah and he's like no i'm gonna be at this marathon for you Sure enough, he actually shows up. The first time he does show up for something, the bomb goes off and his legs are completely obliterated. And so from here, we kind of see from his point of view and his extended family's point of view and from uh, her point of view, what happens from like the aftermath of this tragic situation. Uh, it's interesting because this movie is directed by David Gordon Green, who, if you don't know, he has a... Very uh, eclectic kind of filmography. He has he's made everything from like small indie movies to uh, you know Pineapple Express and Your Highness to episodes of Eastbound and Down and Vice Principal. So he kind of is all over the map directorially. But this is kind of going back to his indie roots because it takes a very kind of humbled, down to earth approach where there is some of that kind of mawkishness that you expect in the movie, like you know, like those big dramatic scenes where people are yelling at each other and stuff like that for the awards clips. But for the most part, it takes a little more uh like simple kind of open-minded approach where it doesn't really you know make this character out to be a hero he doesn't consider himself a hero at all he just considers himself a guy who was standing there and got his legs blown off and everyone around him wants him to be this kind of symbol for the town he just doesn't want that he just kind of wants to live his life as best he can with this you know horrible situation and he I mean, through Jake Gyllenhaal and Tatiana's performances, the movie really just does feel like you're kind of enclosed in this, you know, very private situation. And it doesn't feel super Hollywood eyes. It doesn't feel, you know, very, you know, dramatized for the most part. It just feels like a very human, very, you know, 
emotionally honest story. And I think it surprised me a good bit. And I'm going to give it, I was between uh, a B plus and a B. I'm going to give it like a firm B just because I think there is some stuff. I think when you see it, we can kind of talk about more of my issues hey, that, with the film. A B is good enough for me. B for Boston. Yes. And I, I mean, a Boston is really a B plus plus, but yeah. uh, okay. So rest easy, John. I'm 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 excited. I mean, I was going to watch this no matter what you said. I was just going to sure. assume you were wrong. If I gave it an F, you would have been like, "Oh, I already bought my ticket." So <laughs> yeah, well, F you will. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Did you like uh, our? Forget brand is, about it. Did Did you watch our brand is crisis? That was one I skipped. Yeah, no, I did. I saw that one as screening, and I remember it being very okay. Okay. Like it. It wasn't. I, the, I remember the trailer thinking, bored me to tears. I remember thinking there was this uh, movie with uh, Gail Garcia. Uh, what's his name? You know who I'm talking about. Oh uh, yeah, because he he's the voice of a character in Coco. Yeah, he he made a movie called No, which was like kind of the same exact thing, but I thought it was done a lot better. No. What's it? Yeah, No. Uh, and I remember seeing like I saw No like a couple like maybe a year or so before I saw Our Brand Crisis, and I was like, oh, it's just kind of like a weaker version of that story. Uh, no is actually the the guy who made Jackie. He that was his first movie. I think. Oh yeah. So, so you should actually check that one out. So No is my- the it's the prequel to Noah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, oh, and uh, David Gordon Green is going to be doing the new Halloween movie. So yep. check that one out. It's coming out next year. Did you hear the news about that recently? About Halloween? Yeah, that uh, Jack or Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. Oh, no. But, you know, I'm not surprised. It's that requel. came out today. It's requel yeah. time. Um, isn't she dead in the... That's what yeah. I thought, too, because I, I haven't seen some of the sequels. I wonder. I have. You can cut. You can cut. Pretty this sure. Out. She, I don't want. To, I'm yeah, pretty but. sure she dies. Well, oh, come on. These movies are decades old. I'm pretty sure she dies in like the fourth. That's why one? I thought. That was my first thought. Honestly, I was like, I, th- I thought she died, and I was talking about this with. Uh, I think my she co-host. makes it. She makes it through the first two, and then the third one she isn't in, and I think she right. dies in the fourth one, and then they continue on with like a well, different. They brought her back for Halloween H2O or whatever it was. And then, oh, that doesn't exist. And then she was there one after that where she died or something like that. The curse of Mike Myers was one. And I think, I think by then, yeah, she's totally dead. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, in horror movies, no one ever dies. Right. 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 Including Mike Myers. He he comes back more times than like a character in Dragon Ball Z. Mm -hmm. But let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, so my mini review for this week, um, I, I wanted to watch, uh, well, okay. So I've been watching Bojack Horseman season four. However, uh, Will and Will has been watching a little bit of it too, right? Mm-hmm. So, but we are going to wait to talk about BoJack Horseman season four because we're going to talk about it with Maverick Hines uh, in full next week. Um, but I will say, I've been watching. I watched the first three seasons finally, and we've already been reviewed BoJack season three on the show actually because uh, uh, Maverick watched it. And I just want to say real quick, I'm a believiever. I BoJack Horseman is now one of my favorite shows on TV. It's fantastic. You you guys were totally right. Um, I was totally wrong for waiting so long to watch it and not trusting you to just binge the whole thing as soon as you recommended it. And, you know, I'll be honest. I, I told you guys this. I, I watched the pilot years ago, wasn't into it, and I had been told by a bunch of people, like, no, just keep watching, keep watching. I didn't do it. I didn't listen to my friends. And I paid the consequences. But I bit, it was fun to be able to binge the entire thing. I didn't have to wait between seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through season four along with you, Will, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. Yeah, same here. I mean, there's there's never a time where 
I hate talking about BoJack Horseman. I always love talking about BoJack, and we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we were thinking about even doing like a last call or something, but who knows yeah. what will happen. If you want it, let us know, but we'll probably just talk about it next week's episode. Yeah. Um, also, okay, so something that I have been playing this week is Destiny 2. Uh, we don't do video games very often. I think we've done them once or twice in uh, Cinemaholics history, but I have been playing Destiny 2, and I love Destiny 2. So, Will, you don't play a lot of games, right? Like console no, games? No, I don't play any games. The last game I played was Mario Party 2 on the <laughs> Nintendo 64. I just like getting you to say that, because you <laughs> um, Well, I'm a big gamer, and uh, so I, I guess I'm talking away from you, Will, and I'm talking toward our listeners who may have been interested. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, Destiny is a semi-new uh, game franchise. It started with Destiny in 2014, and it's from Bungie. Bungie, they're the same people who made the Halo games up until Halo Reach. Uh, you know, I grew up on Halo, obviously, because I'm, you know, in my 20s, and, you know, that's just the world we live in. Uh, Halo was, like, kind of a staple of my generation, uh, my formative years. And I love Halo. I think the gameplay mechanics and that are just amazing. What it did for first-person shooters uh, should not be understated. And Halo was king for a long time until uh, Call of Duty came around. And then Bungie uh, split ways with Microsoft. Uh, They stopped doing the Halo games and they started working on Destiny, which, gosh, it was a huge overpromise of a game. It was kind of pitched as this... MMO with a sprawling storyline and the awesome mechanics of Halo, but with totally new, a totally new idea, totally new ideas and uh, enemies and all this stuff. And what we got in Destiny a few years ago was a very incomplete game, a nonsensical storyline. Will the the side character was voiced by Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, <laughs> and right. it, it is one of the worst voice performances in gaming history. Oh no, <laughs> he sounds. Really? Because, okay, so he's one of the very few characters in the game who has a voice. Like, yeah. there aren't any cutscenes, really, not a lot. And he talks throughout the game to tell you what to do and where to go. Going from Cortana in Halo, who is a very iconic, you know, very iconic voice performance. She's like the soothing, mellow voice in, like, a war game. Um, Cortana is so memorable. To go to Peter Dinklage, who is this robot kind of thing... And he's doing the same kind of thing. He's your companion telling you what to do, giving you background on certain things. He sounds so bored. Uh, It was so bad that they actually patched Destiny, um, changing. They they basically took out the Peter Dinklage lines and replaced them with lines from Nolan North, uh, who those those of you don't know is like, he's one of the like, he, he does voices for like every mainstream game you can imagine. He's the voice of Nathan Drake in Uncharted, which, Will, you should know about Uncharted because that's going to be a movie pretty mm-hmm. soon. Um, well, so it wasn't already a movie called The Mummy with Tom Cruise? Indiana Jones, one through <laughs> four. Uh, yeah, so that said, uh, I, you know, I did not like Destiny at all when I first played. I was very disappointed. Um, they did the expansion. with the, they, they did fix a lot of things uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I think like 2015, 2016. And uh, I got back into the game. I, I started to really like it. I kind of figured out, like, they, they really fixed it. Destiny 2, though, is like their first real leap into an awesome console game available for PS4 and Xbox One. 
And I've been playing the game all week and I've been loving the heck out of it. Uh, the gameplay is even better. The gameplay was always pretty good, but now there's like a real story behind it that actually makes sense. Um, it, it, I mean, I, I wish I could properly tell you, Will Ashton, how stupid this story was and how it made no sense. It was so bad that like... I'll believe you. You, you would be playing Destiny and like if you wanted to know something about what was going on, you had to stop what you were doing, press pause, and you would have to go to Bungie's website and look <laughs> up a code to like look up these things called grimoires that would give you background information. Oh, it was man. the clunkiest nonsense. So Destiny 2 does away with all that, of course. Uh, it, it's just really good gameplay. Uh, I recommend if you're interested and you want to know more about... Uh, we Got This Covered has a Destiny 2 review out right now. It got top honors on wegotthiscovered.com. Uh, unfortunately, I forget who exactly was uh, the writer for it, but uh, it's a great review. You should check it out, and uh, it, it's it's worth it's worth playing if you like first person shooters. It's one of the best out right now. Um, John Huber, that's who wrote it, uh, just a few days ago. Hey, John, how's it going? Um, so check that out, Destiny Two. If you like console games, if you're Will Ashton, don't worry. Mario Party Two is available on Craigslist. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yours for the taking. That's an A plus game. <laughs> I do I do like the first uh, couple of Mario Party games. Uh they they really uh they they, they didn't do so hot uh, once they got to like Mario Party 13 or whatever it is. They peaked little... the 2, so they should have stopped while they were ahead. <laughs> do you play games on your phone at all? Uh no, not really. I'll be honest, I don't either. I I I did. Like I used to always like play Tetris and and then I played Angry Birds for a while and all that stuff, but I got to say like I never got into like Candy Crush or Monument Valley is one. That game I played because uh, I really like that, but that's about it. Yeah, I can't say I. I am the least gamery person you probably know. Like I, I have played <laughs> one video game a like a year, and by that I mean like I play a video game like one. Like I sat down once to play a video game. Someone like, puts the years. controller in your hands, and you're just right. like, yeah, and then you leave. I just press buttons, and they're like, no, you're running backwards. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so you also saw a movie called Brad Status, which I think That's was correct. in our honorable mentions for our fall movie preview. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so Hello. what was that one about? Brad Status is the new movie from Mike White, who, if you guys don't know, most people know him as the screenwriter behind uh, School of Rock, Nacho Libre. Uh, he also, I guess, apparently rewrote a good amount of uh the emoji movie this summer which Ooh. i did not know about until mm. like a week or two ago but he also is known for a lot of like kind of dark indie movies like very very uncomfortable films like chuck and buck the good girl with the jennifer good Aniston. girl orange I county love that movie. Well, yeah oh yeah well yeah that's not really a dark comedy but yeah he also did orange county uh he also did uh what's it called uh year of the dog he, that was his directorial debut Hmm. Didn't he have uh, he like a did. cameo in uh, Zombieland? Yeah, I think so. He he does a lot of acting work too. He was yeah. in School of Rock. He was Ned Schleibly. Uh He uh, if you see his face, you probably recognize him. He has like oh, kind of yeah. like white blonde hair and kind of like uh, like dopey grin all the time. I mean that in a good way. Uh, he also did this show I really love on HBO called Enlightened with Laura yeah. Dern, which it's only two seasons. If you haven't watched he did it, a few epi- he good... did like a bunch of episodes, didn't he? Like a few. Well, he created the show with Laura Dern. He like wrote most of the episodes and he directed, uh, quite a few of them. He, he didn't write most so, of yeah. the episodes though. 
Oh no, he directed What's a it? few episodes. He wrote episodes, but he directed a few as well. Yeah, he like wrote I think almost every episode, and he directed like at least half of them. So that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a really good show. That was like I, I also, when Laura Dern was like starting to like come back. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the weird thing. Is like I I feel like I always think of it as like the show that's like no one's really seen but like every time i talk about it a good amount of people have actually seen it so i'm glad it got a good audience especially more after the fact i guess but yeah so uh, uh, that that was probably the first thing i remember seeing uh jason manzoukas in really yeah i guess he was yeah Yeah, i I mean that that was like that was a while ago i guess like Like, was like six years ago something like that He's been kind of quiet recently. I heard he did a movie called Patrice at Dinner recently, but I haven't gotten to see it. But this is like the first thing he's really done in a while since uh, Enlightened. And so I was really curious to check it out, even though the trailer didn't really really quite wow me. And I don't know. I mean, when I went into this week, I was expecting Stronger to be the movie I didn't really care for and Brad Sass to be the movie I, I liked a good bit. It ended up being kind of backwards. I, I cared for stronger more than i like and i ultimately was not super crazy about brad's status uh mainly oh, because this is the the new vehicle for uh what's it ben stiller he and he's kind of playing like the, the bare gist of the character is that he's this uh non-profit guy who's, who's lived a pretty good life with his like uh 17 year old son and his wife played by pam from the office uh and jenna so, fisher yeah sorry uh, and hey, he, uh, Austin Abrams, the guy from, um, that's the dude from uh, Paper Towns. Isn't Nat Wolf the kid from Paper Towns? His friend. The one who uh, dates the girl, the who was friends with Margot, Roth Spielman. Oh, yeah, that's right. Huh. I knew I recognized this kid from something. Yeah, yeah anyway, so face. it's another movie that ironically, I think is in Boston again, because it takes place mostly in Harvard. And uh, Harvard's in Boston, right? I mean, that's that's where good movies take place. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he uh, travels. It's not in like, it's basically like a, a weekend in the life of this guy who is on the verge of a midlife crisis because all of his friends from college have got on to be super successful. One's like a famous film director. One has his own kind of hedge fund. The other one uh, retired at forty and like lives on his own island. And another one is like basically like this kind of Matt Lauer type guy. He's like a big uh newscaster dude and he's just running this nonprofit that's doing pretty well as far as we can tell but not really like he's he's not a name like his other friends and so he's filled can with i like can i interrupt of, you real quick yeah sorry i just want to make it clear so harvard is in cambridge cambridge is okay. technically part of like the greater boston area but it's kind of its own thing i just want i just don't want anybody to get mad at us and be like, okay. hey, he's he's repping Boston, and he's like, what? He doesn't know? So, sorry. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I said Boston is just because the last movie I, I talked right, about was also yeah. in the Boston area, so I just found that a weird coincidence. But anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah so it, it, the whole movie is supposed to be this guy who's having this midlife crisis, and he's just also trying to help his son get into Harvard and stuff. And I, I feel like this movie's getting good responses because people interpret Mike White's films as all of his characters being like these unlikable d-bags that we get to know through like these uh you know monologues and so or um mo- or what do you call them the uh, internal monologues or whatever 
But I feel like the thing about Mike Wag's characters is that, like, they're not so much unlikable as they are misunderstood. Like, if you met most of his characters, you would probably not like him, but you grow to like him in his film because you get in their head and you get to see these characters who normally don't really get betrayed in film or TV shows. And you kind of get to understand, like, where they're coming from and see how they're more complex and nuanced than they actually seem. And that's how you kind of grow to love or, like, love to hate him. Whereas with Brad's status, he... Brad is not really that complicated of a character. He's just kind of a, you know, self-entitled yuppie in peril. And he he's not really that complex. He just basically has a bunch of white people, you know, like first world problems that aren't really that compelling or funny. And maybe if the film took a more satirical edge, it would have worked. But it's not really that the film tries to be that satirical. It actually kind of sympathizes with him more than anything. But you don't really care about what he's going through because it's just like... We kind of seen Ben Stiller do this already. He did Greensburg. He did Secret Life of Walter Mitty. He did like even you know Tropic Thunder and Zoolander kind of deal with the same like middle aged guy trying while to. While we're young, fight. was one of his better. Yeah, while we're young too. Like they're all. He's done a ton of movies now where he's like playing middle aged guys trying to find the relevance again, and this feels like old territory for him. And, and I mean, it's a good performance. Like it, it's not like he did a bad job. It just feels like he's treading the same waters. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything in this film that he has done better or worse than his past couple films. It just feels like another Ben Stiller dramedy, if that makes sense. It just yeah. it just feels like more of the same. And I wish if it was if it was as funny as some of Mike White's other films, or if it was as you know poignant or you know entertaining, I would have given it a slide. But I just kind of walked out with a big like shrug, especially because the end just kind of just cuts off. You don't really get a resolution to. A lot of stuff, it just kind of like, yep, that's the end of the movie. So I, I really just don't... I, I was wrestling my thoughts on this one, more so maybe even than Mother. I was just like, did I like this movie? And I just sat down and I was like, no, I, I, I just ultimately didn't. And that's a shame, because I do love Mike White, and this just felt off to me. So I'm going to give it like a half-hearted C+. I know, the, see I it, know the real reason, though, Will, why yep. this movie didn't work for you. Because... They're all like, oh, this takes place in Cambridge, Massachusetts, greater Boston metropolitan area. (laughs) Guess where they filmed it? Quebec. So that's what happens. Because in the credits, they said like the Boston crew. So I guess they must have done some exterior shots in Boston. Oh, probably. Well, yeah, if they did exterior shots of Harvard. But yeah, it was was, uh, the principal photography was in Hmm. Montreal. I did see the Quebec sign during the, like, the final things in the credits, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. I just, I'm really just bummed, I think, because I, I, I usually like almost all of Mike White's films, except for maybe Orange County, and so this is just, this is an off one for me, and I wish I did like it. You know, I'm still going to watch Brad Status, but to me, this is a, oh, that's on Netflix now kind of movie, where like, it's a lazy yeah. Saturday morning, I watch it while I'm cooking breakfast, it's that kind of movie. I don't, I'm not going to sure. flock to the, I'm not going to flock to Amazon Studios, because they actually, they finance the film. So it'll be on Amazon, not Netflix, but uh, yeah, it's, it's that kind of, it strikes me as that kind of indie comedy that like, is probably only worth seeing, you know, on, on the, in passing. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is that like, it's not a poorly made film. Like it is like pretty well like put together as far as the writing and screenwriting and acting is concerned. It's just, I just don't think it's that interesting or that funny. It just doesn't really, I think, work as an entertaining or compelling film. If that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So if you see it and you like it, I hope that's, you know, I hope you get something out of it. But for me, it was just a disappointment. Good luck putting the pieces of your heart back together. That one's yeah, crushed. All right. That'll do it for our mini reviews. Thank you for listening to our full episode of Cinemaholics. It was a bummer to do it without Maverick Hines, of course. But uh, he'll be we, back. yeah, he'll be back next week to talk about uh, whatever comes out next week. I forget. Isn't it Kingsman? 
Is Kingsman already next week? My screening's next week. Yeah, but I mean, it might just be releasing internationally before the U.S. A few fall films are doing that, so I don't know. Maybe. I I think it's coming out next week, but don't quote me on that. I will quote you, and uh, if you're wrong. All right. Um, well, that's the exact opposite of what I told you to do, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. You're right. Kings in the Golden Circle is releasing along with Lego Ninjago movie and uh, Stronger so, yeah. and uh, Battle of the Sexes and Loving Vincent and Victoria and Abdul. So quite a good slew of movies um some of these are uk but uh no you were right kingsman comes out in the u.s and the uk next week so that's going to be our featured review for sure that's one of my most anticipated of the year i guess that's fitting right how so the u.s and the uk because the states winning kingsman yeah yeah makes sense you got you get it i got it (laughs) it took me a second but i got there uh once again thank you for listening to cinemaholics if you like our show you know we usually tell you leave us a review blah 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 you know what this week here's what i want you to do if you're like, I'm a Cinemaholic, I want the show to go on forever, tell your friends about it. You know, oh, yeah. I tell people about Cinemaholics all the time at work. When people are like, John, tell me what movie to watch. I'm like, well, did you listen to the latest Cinemaholics? And they're like, with Will Ashton? I've heard of it. And you're like, well, check it out, because it's not just Will Ashton. It's also Maverick Hines. <laughs> that ha- literally uh, twice a day every day. Uh, so you could you could do the same thing. Tell your friends about Cinemaholics if they're if they're bugging you about what the latest and best movies are. And, uh, and yeah, come hang out with us on the Facebook page, the Cinemaholics podcast. Facebook page where you can chat with us. We've had a couple. Of, we, had, we, had, we had a fun discussion with somebody uh, just the other day about uh, Blade Runner, because... Um, uh, we got called out for not being super excited. Oh yeah, about that's it. right. That was good though. I, that was a good. That was a good discussion. Yeah, I mean, just to be clear, we are excited for Blade Runner. We just had more films that excited us. Yeah, is that so weird? Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so be sure to do all of that and more, and we'll see you guys again next week from the Internet, California. I'm John Groney. From the Internet, Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashton. See you next time. Bye.